uh, Fukusaku's work is, uh, is very much like um, the American films of the 70s that either may or may not have been influenced by them. The camera's constantly moving. The, the um, action is visceral. He tries to put you in the middle of the action. He, uh, very often, it goes from uh, handheld, very visceral filmmaking into an, a kind of operatic style, and, um, which is extremely unusual. He mixed styles, all I believe in an attempt to deeply immerse the audience in the experience of the story. You feel as though you are inside the frame rather than outside the frame looking at a painting. You're not outside looking in. You are often very much within the frame. And that's a style that the filmmakers of the 70s picked up and, and sort of ran with. French Connection could very easily have been done by Fukusaku. Uh, and I, wasn't, I was never thinking about his work when I did the film. I was trying to tell that story. But the visceral approach to the story, I know um, it, it wasn't just inspiration. I had seen his work, and I saw how it was useful in telling a story like that, a crime story, as he would put it. Uh, it was useful to have the camera constantly following the people and, more importantly, to not be making any judgments about these characters. He wasn't worried about happy endings. He didn't have to redeem the good guys. He didn't have to say that the good guys triumphed at the end. And that was a profound influence on me. I am from beyond. Listen. And all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Choose a side in a clone wars. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to another Clone Wars, where two similar pieces of media clash to be crowned champion. Two go in, and only one comes out. And it's Yakuza month, finally. We finished Samurai Month. It's done. It's been laid to rest. The sun has set on Samurai Month, and we are back talking more Japanese cinema, but we're going in a more Godfather, Goodfellas, Scarface direction. We're looking at the Japanese mafia specifically in this month, in this month of podcasts. So uh, there's lots of interesting stuff to discuss and and cultural, cultural differences between, you know, organised crime. It's always really, really interesting. I found it a fascinating thing, and you guys voted for it as well. You voted for this specifically. So I am here once again with my very own assassin. The assassin of many a movie. Angry Andy Reviews! 
Hello, I'm back. You're back once again. Um, we are here for another Clone Wars to compare two very similar movies in the yes, Yakuza genre. Have you seen many Yakuza films before this? Um, not really. I've got to be honest. I watched one a couple of years ago with uh, Jared Leto, or Leto, however you want to pronounce it. I don't really care. Everyone's um, favourite actor. Oh, yeah. And um, I hated it. It's called The Outsider, 2018. It was a Netflix film. And, mm. oh, I absolutely hated it. <laughs> was, it was it another, oh, the white the white dude is better at the, than the Japanese dudes at being Japanese? Uh, kind of. Not not really so much. It was, no. it, again, it was like the, I don't know, sort of like trying to play the fish out of water thing. But okay. he he very emotionless in the film. And it, just, it was like watching like a stoic vampire just pissing around well he is he's going to be a vampire a living vampire in fact very soon when morbius comes out which i'm not looking forward to because it looks shocking yeah yeah no it does it looks uh absolutely uh terrible i'm not gonna lie um <laughs> I, I want to i want to watch it i do want to watch it because i'm i'm an old i'm an old spider-man fan from when i was a, from when i was a kid so all these villains coming through their own movies yeah i'm desperate to watch it but mm. i don't know I thought there's yeah. just something about it. And this is this is my thing with, with Venom as well. I know we're going off track already, aren't we? Yeah. Which is typical of us, but... Not even begun. <laughs> it's, it's my thing with Venom is just... It looks a bit cheap and nasty. And the trailer for Mobi uh, Mobius looks... Mobius, whatever, looks cheap and nasty. It just looks cheap. It looks like of the modern day, isn't it? We've been we've been given so much high-quality, high-tech CGI fests. Mm. And, yeah, I don't know... It looks it looks bland. It looks bland and dull. It looks like every other vampire film I've ever seen. Yeah, since, that, that's that's the thing. Since like, two thousand, since fucking Underworld or something like that, yeah. they all look the same. Every and the, the problem is like they they have no confidence just to play it simple with vampire films anymore. Like, oh, I was bitten by a vampire, now I am one. No, they go through this rigmarole of oh, it was a test, and now I've been infected because I walked through this plasma wave thing, and oh god. I, I I woke up and I was inside the land of vampires. What? Just, <laughs> just go back to the basics of having been bit by a vampire bat or something. In the trailer, he stood in some kind of device, isn't he? And then they're all flying around him like Batman. And it's like, oh, whatever. Just yeah. go back to basics. It's probably in the comics, like, but I can't really remember too much. But just do the basics. Yeah. Bring it back to basics and then focus on character. We'll see. We'll see. Like I always, I always found it interesting that he was a living vampire, that he was a scientifically created vampire, as opposed to like mystical. Yeah, I'd like to see the kind of that play off the kind of old school vampire and this new vampire. I'd like yeah. to see that, but again, I don't know if we'll get that. I don't know no, exactly. what they're going to do. That's my only worry with the Sony movies is that they 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 play with the origins. So it kind of works, kind of sticks to what we know and love, but at the same time, it, they just, I don't know, they just throw it out the window. Anyway, let's get back on track. What let's... were we talking about? <laughs> what are we here for? Whatever you want, whatever you're in. So we're oh, going to. Star Wars. Star Wars yeah. is really good, isn't it? <laughs> I like Star Wars. <laughs> but we're here to do the Ewok Adventures. <laughs> no, we've done that. Thank God. We've done that. Never again. Never again. Uh, no, we're going to compare two of the kind of prominent work of the director Kinji Fukusaku who directed Battles Without Honor and Humanity from 1973 which is a big franchise in itself 
And we're also going to compare that against Graveyard of Honor from 1975. Um, the reasons for the comparison, uh, they're both directed by the same man, uh, both based on apparently on true stories. Um, or real-life um, memoirs, diaries, or reports in, from a newspaper, um, released within two years of each other, both set in post-war Japan. Both titles contain the word honour. Both are considered classics in their genre and change the entire trajectory of the modern Yakuza film. And both films have a faux documentary style about them. So it's kind of like it's they're filming it as it happens, which is not true, but... It works as a kind of framing device for both of the the films. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, before this podcast started, you'll have heard one of the big, big name directors in Hollywood, William Friedkin, talking about how much he likes the work of Kinji Fukusaku. He's the director of uh, French Connection, The Exorcist. He's a massive fan. Um, not only that... Yeah. Not only that, you've got Tarantino, who's a huge fan of this uh, director and his series of films, uh, even uses the music from Battles in Kill Bill as um, uh, Oren Ishii, who I talked about with Rasheen, comes yeah. in uh, with a crazy 88. And you hear, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, there's, there's loads more references throughout that film as well, like some of the style, like the way the blood splurts and people losing limbs and whatever. It, it's very much taken from these films. Absolutely. And uh, and we spoke about Akira Kurosawa last time and like Fukusaku's style is so different from Kurosawa in so many ways. We were talking about it just before we started recording. But you spoke about Tora 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 and I realised that it's Fukusaku who took yeah. over from yeah, Kurosawa. Yeah. And weird that, that. That's how inexplicably linked. So obviously when they were filming it, the studio didn't like Kurosawa's style. So they wanted something mooring like that other end of the spectrum. Because that's what that's what it is with with Kurosawa and then the, you know these films they're they're so they are so opposite. It's like you go from grand opulence and minimalistic acting and you know small moments of character to these films, which is literally just like it's all tightly compacted, and yet in that small space there's just fucking shit going off all the time. <laughs> and it, it never, it never, it whenever it stops, it's only for like two or three minutes and then, oh God, it explodes again. Came with the, it's dialed up to 11 all the time. It drops to about five for 30 seconds. And then it's up to 11 before you even realize what's happened, which is a good thing, yes. but also a very bad thing as well. Yeah, and um, these these new the battles especially introduced a new style of yakuza film because before this they were they were known as the uh, the ninkyo iega, um, which translates roughly as chivalry films. So yeah. they they were criminal yakuza were depicted as criminals, but they had like a bushido samurai code of honor, um, kind of honor among thieves. So they would always be you know. They were torn between their duty and what they wanted, um, their personal feelings towards things. Um, but the, these films introduced the Jitsoruko Ige, um, which was the actual record films. Um, so these are, you know, seemingly more realistic, more historically accurate, and more violent. The Yakuza are more treacherous. You know, they only really follow their code when it suits them, um, you know, in, in regards to being a criminal and the criminal enterprise. Um, so this was a very much a huge kind of shift 
um, in the way that the Yakuza were represented. And there's no, there's no like good guys in these films. They're all, oh, like, no. there's like, again, we've, we've talked about it before, kind of moral ambiguity. There's, there's, there's not even really ambiguity. It's just, oh, just bad people. There's li- literally no moral ambiguity in these films whatsoever. There's no redeeming features in any of the characters, even more so. Like, Battles Without Honour, maybe a little bit, but hmm. Graveyard of Honour, there is not a shred of decency or redeeming qualities about any of the characters. They're all terrible people and they all deserve everything they get. 100, 100%. Um, so we we viewed these films. They are currently available on the Arrow player, the Arrow video player. I believe there's still DVDs and Blu-rays out there that might be out of print by now, possibly. Mm-hmm. But um, you can sign up. It, it's on Amazon. You can sign up to the Arrow video player, or you can just sign up online like I've done. Yeah. Um, and you can get a free month and try it for yourself. So you don't even have to spend money to watch these films. So um, a great little player, that. You you've kind of I think you you've kind of forced my hand. I'm gonna have to get it. Yeah. Oh god. You told me about the Turkish Star Wars film. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch and I'm gonna have to review. Uh, I'm just very busy at the minute with a, yeah. a new career, but oh, I'm gonna have to do it, aren't I? I hate you. I, 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 I hate you, you so much. Also, I watched a little bit of it and I was like mm, on YouTube, I went, oh no. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be the worst film I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, also on Amazon Prime, Star Crash is uh, is there, which was no. <laughs> which is pure rip off Star Wars. No, Star Wars exploitation. Oh, I'll write it down. <laughs> it's got Christopher Plummer and David Hasselhoff Christopher in it. Plummer. Christopher Plummer and David Hasselhoff are in it. I, I believe. What? Yeah. What is this film? <laughs> Star Crash. Crash. Star Crash. You write that down, boy. You write that down. <laughs> I'll just grab a pen. Hang on. Star Crash. Okay. Star Crash. It's on Prime. I've just seen it today. You you watch that. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, mate. <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to the films. Yeah, it's a good player. Lots of cult films, a lot of Yakuza stuff, uh, a lot of Japanese stuff's on there. So definitely check it out if you're into your cult movies and things. A um, lot, lot of variety there as well. Um, and it gets updated, I think, every couple of weeks or every week or so. So you've always got something on there. Um, yeah, good, good, there. good, bad cult, you name it. Um, but yes, anyway, let's begin. So let's start off by talking about battles without humanity, honour and humanity. <sighs> Oh, where what to begin? <laughs> what, what happens? I was going to say, I'll say it right out. I have no idea really what happens in these films, honestly, truthfully, because, like we said, it's all dialed up to 11 and everything they're not what 90 minutes long each, yeah, and everything happens so quickly, so fast that even in the moments where it does drop to like five, six. Um, you, you don't. You're not given enough time to really process who the characters are, um, you know, what their intentions are, or anything. Because before you know it, it's literally bang, 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 bang again. And yeah. that's good. I love. I love madness. I love action. I love craziness. But at the same time, I need to know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> I, need, I need to know who I'm following. Mad, like madness said, for the sake of madness doesn't. Yeah. it doesn't help. And like we said, because there's no redeeming features in any of the characters, you don't really get an opportunity to invest with them, to mm. care about what happens to them because they're all terrible people. So I, I completely lost track. I mean, I know what the plot is in the basic sense. Well, to be fair, I had the same issue. Like I, I watched 
pretty much them back to back as well, which I don't think helped um, because I started putting scenes from one film in another. And I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't fit. How did that? Oh, wait. I'll mix, I'm mixing them up because they're both so mental and so like la, 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 bang, 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 bang. I thought he was dead. Oh, wait, he's dead in the other film. Oh, okay then. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you, Andy. They're, they're very hard to keep track of. Again, it's fast, it's frenetic, it's energetic, um, which again is a, is a good thing. And I think the action sequences are, are really well done. It's got this kind of shaky cam style. So you, you get way up into the action. You feel like you're, you, you could potentially be shot because you, everyone's running around. Everyone's like, ah, yeah. you know, blood spurting everywhere. I, I like that. Those are some of my favorite bits. But again, like you said, we don't get to care about them or, or invest in the characters in the story because it's it's mostly just like, this guy died, this guy died, this guy died. Because it's still, the both films are going for this historical documentary style. Yeah, like yeah. They, have, they have interviews with real people, um, you know, historically. Yeah, that, I, I, that, found, I found it really weird, all that. I didn't hmm. expect it. Both, both films start pretty much like as the Second World War has ended. So for Battles Without Honour and Humanity, it's literally 1946. It's literally a year after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And he's... This guy is just what sent to prison, isn't he, for shooting yeah. a, a, a samurai sword wielding maniac who injures his friend? And even in those opening five minutes, you're like, "Oh, stop a minute! Just let let me let me let me process what's going on because so much happens that you're introduced to two characters that you think, "Oh, these must be the main characters," and they both lose their arms in the first like thirty seconds. And I was like, "Are these the main guys? What what what's going on?" Wait, who am I following here? And you, you, you're following the sword-wielding maniac, but at the same time, it doesn't give you any sort of evidential relevance. Yeah. For all you know, they could be like the villains of the piece. They're getting yeah. their arms cut off. They might not necessarily be the, the heroes of the piece or protagonists yeah. of the piece. You don't know because there's no context for it. It's just a guy getting his arm cut off. Yeah. It. it literally sticks with them for a, a good minute or so, if not longer, and you're like, okay... I'll settle in with these guys. One of them's got a scar down his face. He's, he's a war veteran. Oh, oh God, he's, they've both lost their arms. <laughs> <laughs> they're gone. I'm pretty sure they're dead. <laughs> yeah, you, ne- you never see him again, those characters. Yeah. And again, again it's, kind of, it's kind of introducing these uh, factual people and these factual uh, names and historical dates and things. And they'll especially go with, like, when they introduce a character, they'll go, this is the future boss of this particular gang. And I'm like, yeah, right, it, it, okay. Okay. It pauses you, the film, doesn't it? Yeah, what, it pauses the film, it shows you the person, it gives you their... It's a, again, a little bit like Kill Bill, where it shows exactly who they are yeah, and what they do. Exactly, yeah. And that's kind of... And I went, okay. But again, like, there's that many characters, that many introductions, even in those first five minutes of battles, to, to, to keep track of. And you, you do follow this one main character, but about halfway through the film for a good 30 20 30 minutes he goes to jail and you don't see him you don't hear from him you don't see him you don't you don't know what he's up to you don't know how he's getting on in prison you just like good third of the movie you you're just like oh so i'm now dumped with all these other characters i didn't really know or, or care about my one my one anchor in this whole tornado is gone <laughs> you've thrown it away and now i'm back to not knowing what the fuck is going on and yeah. now I, have to, I have to it's almost like a film in three parts really it's like three different yeah. segments and, and i was just like i was like well what i was like i was following that guy now what's the point i kind of yeah i think that's, that's it's the identity of the film 
like it's just because because of this documentary kind of thing it just it it throws everything up in the air when it's it suddenly changes to that documentary oh and he went here and was never heard from again or it pauses so you know harshly i mean it does there's a lo- yeah. loads of moments where it literally just pauses very harshly and hits you with facts and figures and dates and whatever and you're like oh god okay i forgot what was going on now <laughs> yeah and it, it is effect the pausing is effective it's almost like it's not a smash cut it's like a smash pause like yeah. everything yeah you, you hear the music cue like whenever every when someone gets introduced it's pause you see the name you see what they do you know who they are and what they're going to be in charge of and what they already are in charge of um, and then when they die, you get this music cue as well. Every time somebody dies, it's almost like the Godfather, like the whole orange thing. It's like yeah, every yeah. every you see an orange, they die. With this, every time they die, you hear that music cue and you see yeah, the, yeah. the date and time of their death and their name and stuff. And again, it's a, it's effective, but again, it's like, but why yeah. should I care? Like I, I imagine like these 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 memoirs that they're based on. Um, Battles is based on. Let me have a look. Oh, it's um. Somebody, uh, oh yeah. So it's based on the memoirs of a hitman called yeah. Kozumino. The character in the film is not called Kozumino, I think, for legal, no, no, no. For legal reasons. Um, but it was novelized by Koichi Iaboshi. Part of me just thinks it's like a list of people being murdered. Like yeah. this guy it died. Is, yeah. This guy died. This guy died. This guy died. And then they just kind of slowly kind of. Tying it yeah. together, I, re- yeah. I remember I went to um, when I was in Hungary. I, w- I when I was in uh, Budapest, in fact, uh, I went to a place called the House of Terror, and I thought it was going to be a kind of like House of Horrors kind of you know like um, sort of thing, you know, a Madame Two Swords type thing. No, it was actually just a museum, which was a list of dead people that had died in the fascist regimes in Budapest. They had like this massive, te- they had this massive tank in the in the foyer, but then the rest of the the rest of the thing was just lists and lists of dead people, like wow. document documents written on the walls, you name it, just people that have died. And I was like, wow, this is depressing. And also nothing was in English. So I was just walking around and just like lots of Hungarian text. And I was like, yeah. this, this is super depressing. Because they advertise the tank and they show the tank. And I was like, yeah. well, this is not quite what I expected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it, it just seems like a list of, of dead people that's like slightly tied together by the narration and some of the other stuff that's going on. Yeah, it's like it's like almost like um a shopping list of death, isn't it? It's like mm. we, we go through all these characters, all these you know, based on real life people and the early days of the Yakuza and how th- their deaths factored into like the modern the modern formulation of it. Mm. It's very, I don't, uh, when I say a struggle, I, I struggle because there were moments when I was actually really, really enjoying it. I just struggled to invest. It sounds a bit, it sounds a bit backwards, but I just, I struggled to invest. I struggled to keep track. And it's because of that, because there is literally so much going on. I don't know. I mean, these films, I'm just looking at them. It's part of a five-part series, mm. and they were all made in the space of two years. So they were all production lined off, which is not a, again not a bad thing, not no. a bad thing at all. Because obviously they were confident in what they were doing, they were confident in the style they were making these films, and mm. clearly it is what Japanese audiences wanted. 
it's what they wanted out of these films. They wanted to know the historical facts. They wanted to know where it all came from. They wanted to see it played out like this. And obviously, you know, the connections and things that have happened in future films, like, like we said, with Kill Bill and everything and all the references, all the points of interest, you know, clearly they have a wide reaching impact. It's just for me, I just, I, I really did struggle. I struggled mm. so much and it does pain me a little bit because I think these films probably are right up my alley. Yeah. There's just something about them. And I think it is maybe, you know, just the, the sheer unabated chaos mixed in with this really bizarre documentary kind of feel. It just didn't sit with me. Yeah, just it doesn't really gel. Do you think do you think it's like a almost a style over substance? Like there's not really any substance there, but the style is really strong and, and that works. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it is, yeah. I, I probably lean more to that, I think, mm. because it is literally just balls to the wall chaos for a lot of it. And you don't really get a full sense of who the characters are. You get you get snippets, but they're mainly from so like the bosses. Mm. The bosses are trying to consolidate their own individual powers, and then they get caught out because their naivety or they're too comfortable or things like that. You don't really get a sense of like the main character and what their real impact is un- until near towards the end, which is a bit it's a bit strange, really. It's yeah, that kind of last. I don't know, 20 minutes or so, you kind of get a bit more of a, it kind of slows down, I think. You kind of get a little bit of it kind of dialing down a little bit, but it, yeah. but not not much with, with battles. I will I will try and put, I've, I've tried to simplify the synopsis as best I can. I've left out a lot of fucking detail because it would just be like, this guy died, this guy died, this guy died. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm literally just, like that. <laughs> I'm just going to read it out because I'm hoping it will kind of it will refresh both of our memories as well, and we'll kind of think about things. Um, so the main character Shozo Hirono kills a drunken mad yakuza for injuring his friends. <laughs> While in jail, befriends a rival yakuza from the Doi family, and is welcomed into an associated family, the Yamamori clan. After getting into a fight with the son of a mediator between the two gangs the Yamamori gang need to remove a politician, which will put them in direct conflict with the Doi family. The Doi discover this and team up with the Kato family from Hiroshima and start making moves against the Yamamori clan. A loose truce is formed as one of the members is now a guest of Yamamori. This does not last long, and Hirono kills Doi, the leader of the Doi clan. After some double-crossing, he ends up in prison. During this time, the Korean War breaks out. The Yamamori gang grows in power and influence. Some members of the gang start dealing drugs, which is not seen as honourable by the old guard, including Yamamori himself. The power structure is being abused by Yamamori, who is dealing drugs that he has confiscated for personal profit. And his second-in-command, Sakai, learns of this and intimidates Yamamori into retirement and takes control of the gang. Hirono out of prison, attempts himself to separate himself from the two gangs, but is asked to assassinate Sakai by Yamamori. But he says he won't do it. However, they get into a tussle and then they plan to kill each other. And he reveals Yamamori's plan. Uh, Yamamori has Sakai killed. And then right at the end, Hirono turns up at the funeral and is like, well, being a Yakuza member has been a bit shit, hasn't it? And then shoots the funeral kind of... (laughs) 
shoots the coffin or whatever it is of Sakai and that's basically and looks at Yamamori as he leaves and just kind of fucks off. That is as as best as I could condense the plot of this film into yeah. a chewable digestible thing and that's condensed and this is a 90 minute film that's condensed and yeah. there's a lot going on in there hell of a lot going on in there almost like casino levels of detail in that film like yeah. the amount of stuff that happens in it and that's nearly double the length yeah Again, so, I- so much there's so much like like even in sort of like the, the basic terms like the connections to like post-war uh, male mentality and all this like you say there's a clan that's obviously come away from uh, Hiroshima and they're you know they're trying to obviously rebuild aren't they because everything they've everything they've had and everything they know is completely gone it's little things like that as well there's little details there's little nuggets of information that are swallowed up by all of this I, I, I like the ending because the ending's really I mean the ending's really quite impactful hmm. where he's just he, shoots up the entire this huge display in honor of his you know his almost friend yeah. like almost becomes his brother kind of thing and he shoots it up and destroys it and basically becomes almost like a, a weird kind of ronin doesn't he, he, he yeah a little bit he's not affiliated with anything anymore he refuses to accept orders and those little things are great but there's just so much that happens so much chaos and so much other characters that you haven't mentioned exactly come and go and come and go and yeah i I mentioned like four characters in that breakdown i mentioned about four characters i think are integral to the plot other than that there's a few others that are kind of tertiary but again you don't really get a sense of them i was i said i said to you off off the recording as well that um, it's almost like a slasher movie. Like it's a yeah. Friday the Thirteenth, where they're like, we have to get as many kills in as possible, so we have to introduce as many characters as possible and get them murdered off. So, like you were saying, that the soon as they're here, you know, you get the little kind of explanation of who they are. But again, it's not who they are; it's just like their name, their job role. Yeah, and then they're dead. Yeah, that's, that's it. And you're kind of like, oh, okay, right. They like, they were integral to the plot. Um, <laughs> But I think you're right. I think the kind of this mad, like, kind of, you know, style of just insanity, which, you know, like I'm a fan of as well, but I think you need to, you need to build to that insanity. You need to earn yeah. that, you yeah, need to yeah. earn that insanity, you know, like like Commando, for example, it's absolutely mental the last, you know, 20, 30 minutes. It's insane. Yeah. Um, but you've 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 been along that journey. You've built up to the insanity, uh, and then by by the time you get there, it's it's welcomed. You're ready for it. You're like, yes, yeah. yes, John Matrix. You know, just absolutely just murder a third world country. Um, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what again, he does. Like Kill Bill as well. Kill Bill earns the the battle with the crazy eighty eight. There's not eighty eight of them. Good reference there, bother. <laughs> um, and it earns the final fight with. Or any Ishii as well, you know, because because it gives you everything, it gives you the characters, it gives you their arcs, it gives you the reasons for why this is happening. There's so much in this film where, yeah, you do get you do get the reasons, but you don't get a solid foundation for it. Hmm. It's just kind of like it's 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 said, it's done, it happens. Oh, okay, move on to the next one. And like you said about like it goes from literally 1946. So just after the Second World War, just after 
the Hiroshima bombing, mm. right the way through up until and after the Korean War. That yeah. is a long fucking time. Mm. I mean, it's what, 10, 12, 14 years. That's a long time to ha- have this vast spanning, you know, change in 90 minutes. It's That's a, a lot to get through really, really quickly. And considering, like I said, these are this is the first in a five-part series, Jesus Christ, mm. <laughs> just slow down a bit. Yeah, I mean, you could have, you could have told that same story over the five films. I, you know, they they don't yeah. do it. I think it's all separate, different characters. Yeah, it's different, different characters. Yeah, obviously, I'm I'm kind of just like generalizing, yeah. like, but yeah, they're they're all different characters. They're all different stories set yeah. in and around everything that's happening with the evolution, the change of the yakuza and everything like that. Mm. But yeah, just just slow it down a bit. Yeah. But again, like I said, it's clearly a product of the time. It's clearly what. No Japanese audiences wanted to see it. They wanted to see the mayhem, the chaos, but with elements of truth, with mm. the factual evidence, yeah. with you know, the details of of these people, these figures, these historical figures that they all know about. They all like they've tried to bury and cover up, but they had such a lasting impact, you know, mm. on the underground politically and within sort of like you could call it cult media, really. Yeah. You know, they had the, those figures have had that impact. You know, similar like Henry Hill. Henry Hill's had like you know huge impact on sort of like the change in sort of the mob mentality and things like that, purely because of you know what he did, selling his story and all that. You know, that had that had a change in that regard. And these these films, these people had those kind of changes, and people wanted to hear the story. So that's you know they created these films. I mean, they say they say uh, fact is stranger than fiction, and I think if it is, it, you know, I, I could I can kind of believe it was that mental. Like, yeah. I can I can believe that that kind of that was the style, and that was what happened. There's all this betrayal, there's all this ruthlessness, this brutality. You know, I, I get that, but again, like like we've said, it's just we need something to to just to ground us in all of this, so we yeah. can so we can enjoy it more, so we can enjoy when it goes mental. Um, there's a great quote here I got from um, uh, the Time Out website, uh, which I think you'll agree with. Um, they say, this nihilistic anthology of murders changed the direction of the entire Yakuza movie genre. It just about bears reading as a sardonic critique of Japan's post-war development, but only because a history-minded narration is used to hold the whole thing together. Absolutely. That is, that's summed up in like, that's like an academic kind of understanding of it, isn't it? And if I was a bit more academically inclined, that's pretty much how I would have said it rather than waffling for the last 30 minutes. But yeah, <laughs> that is it. It's hit on, nail on the head. But obviously it neglects to say that it's, like like I said, it's what people wanted. Hmm. And you can tell because they sold, they were box office hits, people revel in them even now people still revel in them you know graveyard of honor that we're going to talk about shortly has Mm. kind of disappeared but battles without honor and humanity yeah it's still it's still there it's still a go-to film really i think i think the 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 film's impact in the film as a as a historic as a piece of history is is important i just don't think like like speaking of william freakin and like French Connection, I watched that just this Christmas gone. Um, I didn't think it was all that personally, because 
again, I've kind of, I'd like to think I've seen this all before, but historically that film is very important. Yeah, because it changed it changed certain aspects of cinema. Absolutely, how how films are made, how the shot, like we were saying, you know, there's a, a lot of a lot of moments where it's steady cam use and it's right in there, right in the middle of the action. You know, it comes away going back to sort of like Kurosawa, where it is very much on a stage, very, very you know, proscenium arch filmed and everything. This is like in there. It's in the grittiness. Like, watch this guy get his arm chopped off. Oh, it's grim, isn't it? You love it. Look at all that blood spraying all over this guy's face. Oh, you know, it's that kind of stuff. Like, it gets right in there into the, the horrible nature of sort of like these individuals, which you want. You want that griminess. You want to be in there as the, you know, taking heroin and all this kind of stuff. You want. You, that's the kind of film this tries to be, and mm. you want it. You want to. You want to be in there with it. It just, just, it's just too much. It's just mm. too much, and not enough at the same time. I was, I was thinking about some of the kind of the rituals and the kind of um, the kind of things they do in the film, which I found quite interesting. Like, obviously, quite famously, they're in the yakuza. If you've wronged somebody, or um, there's been an issue, or uh, you've performed poorly, um, that often you can be asked by your the leader of the gang to uh to commit i think it's ubit sume which is basically having your finger cut off yeah. um like your little finger and and uh, our character the main character uh, chizamono i think it was he has a bit of a bust up with a guy in it and he turns out to be the kind of the mediator uh, yeah. between the two i mentioned it in the in the plot synopsis when i read that out um and it was just it's just like a bust, bust up at a kind of a gambling joint illegal gambling joint um it's a bit of a fight and they're like oh well we're in trouble now this is this is yeah. you know we could be put we could put we could go to war with the other gangs da, da, da. so he's like don't worry i'll do it i'll cut my finger off <laughs> and he's asking the woman he's like is this the best way to do it um yeah like, it's, almost, it's, almost, I... it's almost like a, an origin story of that ritual isn't it Clearly, it's yeah. happened before, but because everyone says to him, "Oh, you don't need to do that. You don't mm. need to do that. What, 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 what do you want to do that for?" And he goes, "No, it's it's, it's a mark of uh, the, it's the honourable thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It's an honourable thing to do. I'm going to apologise, and this is evidence that I'm apologising, and I mean it. And you get it. It does almost feel like the origin of that tradition. Mm. Like he turns to he turns to the uh, the woman and goes, "Is this how you do it?" Mm. And she's like, "Yeah, I guess." So and every, all the other guys are sort of sat there around watching him do it almost like they're you know acknowledging oh this is the way forward this is how we can learn this is how we can solve issues without blowing each other away mm. even though at the end of the film it's all blow each other away yeah it, it was quite i found it quite a, a humorous scene like a darkly humorous scene because yeah they, they do it and he's like ah you know he's like blood squirting everywhere he's like ah, man. He even takes his trousers off not to ruin his trousers yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they lose the finger and it ends up in like the chicken hut and it's getting yeah. pe- it gets pecked away and they're like oh look at this piece of shit it's rubbish now nobody yeah. wants nobody wants this he's like oh my finger yeah uh, uh, and then they get to the guy and they're like yeah we're so sorry this happened you know really really sorry um and the, and the guy was like the guy was like opens up the little package and he's got the little finger and he's like well you didn't need to do this yeah two, yeah exactly yeah just two lads having a fight what are you doing you're crazy yeah. Um, no, it's not, like I said, it, it's a marker of sort of like, you know, the origin of that. Because obviously he's like, why have you done this? And then he kind of, they, they, he explains, he's like, oh, okay then, all right. So it's mm. kind of like, you know, from then on, somebody does fuck up in, in small terms. It's like, 
you know what to do. All right, chop my finger off. Little <laughs> finger first. I mean, because you see that in that that uh, the outside of Jared Leto, they yeah. do that. I mean, they they make it so much more. <laughs> it's like deadly serious and everything. But yeah, yeah, that that film's far too serious for its own good anyway. Yeah. But. But I, I liked that little bit, that little injection of humor, and I like I like that Yamamori is like a proper like cowardly sleazeball in it, and he's just like yeah. he's all like, he's the he's the he's the villain of the piece, the real villain because he's this cowardly guy. He says, you know, he gives all his money to Shizo, the main character. He's like, you can have all my money, you can have all my land when you come out of prison and all this. And but then he tries to get Shizo killed as well because again, it's another mm. he's trying to cover it up. There's so many. Again, there's so many like betrayals and people changing side and working for a different gang. It's, yeah. re- it's really hard to keep track of, let alone who's died, but actually who belongs where, who's working for who and what yeah. their intention is as well. I think, I think I said to you when we were talking about it the other day, that that is the thing I think that threw me off because there is so much swapping and shifting of allegiances. Because it's got it's nothing to do with the language barrier. I'm quite happy watching and you know reading subtitles and everything, but I just couldn't keep track of if I turned away to pick up my glass to have a drink, I'd look back and something had changed. Mm. And it was that kind of stuff. I was like, God Almighty! I literally just you, you're not allowed. You've not got time to even look away for five, ten seconds because in those five, ten seconds, you can guarantee somebody has switched sides. And or done something or killed someone or another character has been introduced that has a similar methodology to a different character. So mm. you end up getting confused as to which character is which. And uh, yeah, it's, it's things like that. It's, yeah. that's, that's why I struggled. Yeah, it, it, took, it took, definitely took me out of the film um, yeah. for, for moments like that. Like we said, like 11 to like 5 to like 11 to like 5 yeah. to like... To like throwing away the whole a whole character basically you're only you know your one saving grace yeah. and I'm just like okay and even when he came back I wasn't even that bothered when he came back I was like yeah. oh, he's, he's here again but I kind of forgotten about him now because I'm now following the other characters yeah. it's like it's we're good. now we're now more interested in uh, this guy uh, Sake who's yeah. uh, <laughs> you know doing all this other stuff all right okay. Yeah, because he he Saka wants kind of he wants the the wealth to be spread out a bit more. That's what he's yeah. asking for. But obviously they're like the old guard, like Yamamori's like, well, you youngsters, you don't respect me. But then Yamamori is like literally dealing under the table because he's like, we can't sell drugs, we won't sell drugs. That's not what we do. But then when he when he confiscates the drugs, he's like, well, I'll just sell them and I'll keep the profit. And that's that's what initiates the kind of um sakai taking over is this yeah. kind of betrayal because they were like because the proper split in the middle about this whole thing until that happens and they're like right and they they just bully him they don't kill him they just bully him out of his yeah. position and then sakai invested a lot of that money into like a, a regular kind of like a startup company effectively yeah. um <laughs> and, and so he's kind of he wants like the kind of traditional kind of front for the illegal kind of operations and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's when Chizo comes back and the whole kind of, you know, that starts up again. But yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. I like I did enjoy it. Like I I you're you're everything we've said is is bang on. Everything you've said is bang on. And I, I think it is tricky to just to find your way in this film. Yeah. Um, but I think there's the style is great, the the music is really good, just like the direction is good. But it's just again, I think it's I think it's down to the writing and the fact that it's based on a real thing. It kind of yeah, yeah. 
I think sometimes when you want you with you these kind of crime dramas, you want them to be kind of over the top and kind of like almost a little bit of a heightened reality. And this yeah. does have that, but I think like what you said, where it, it's it's a little limited. I think sometimes based being based on a true story is a limiting thing because you can't yeah. go outside. I think I think like maybe if they spaced out the murders a bit more, they'd mm. have more impact, or you know we spent more time with the characters, or we only or we only showed some of those murders. Yeah. Um, like they're all very well choreographed, all the murders and stuff. And um, I, th- I think it's I think it's in Graveyard of Honor, but there's this great one where he's shooting somebody in a barber's chair and it keeps spinning round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and you, you got that. You've got that referenced in future gangster movies. Mm. You know that exact same kind of thing. You know, yeah. Or like a montage. Like they could have just done a montage of loads of them just getting like, like one. Like year- the Godfather at the end. Yeah, yeah. Like do you the- renounce him? I do renounce him. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd, I'd have preferred that than just doing like. And here's a, like they're all good and they're all shot really well, but it's like okay, someone else is getting shot. And someone else is getting yeah. shot. And someone else is getting shot. Are they getting shot in the street? They're getting shot in the street. They're getting shot yeah. in an alley. They're getting shot in an alley. I'm like, okay. So that character got shot. Oh no, it was yeah. this character got shot. Yeah, wait, exactly. That character has now got shot. There's another character here that's got shot who looks like that character. Yeah. Who behaves like that character? Oh, they're all dead. Okay. Like there's that. I think there's. I think it's called like Kambara or something. He's the one that is like the big mouth, and because they, they hide the pol- they hide the politician away. Um, yeah. And because they don't want to kill him because they're worried that it's going to set off the gang war. So they're like, we won't kill him, but we need to make sure he's out of the election effectively and no one can vote for him. So they basically put him and they say, you're sworn to secrecy. But then the big mouth gangster who's like reveals it to the, the doy gang. And they're like, right, we're going to kill you. Da, da, da. And then one of theirs swaps sides to kind of keep the peace because I think Kambara is his brother. Um, and then Kambara joins that gang yeah. who's going to kill him. And now stop looking for them. Again, there's another plot point. There's another yeah. plot point that happens literally probably in the space of two or three minutes. Yeah. So and then whole whole shift in all these characters' mentalities, the methodology, and you know, yeah. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's mental. And then Shizo kills the Doi leader, and then he's hiding out. And then Kambara, who's now working for Yamamori, <laughs> comes back and says, I'll protect you. But then actually Yamamori's trying to kill him. So then and Shizo has to go into prison to protect himself. Um, and then I think it's the guy, the guy, I want to say like Takaguchi, I want to say. Um, uh, the, guy, yeah. the guy who moved over to the the from the Doi family to the Yamamori family as a way to keep the peace is like, well, you've you're a liar. And then basically and he's like, shoots <laughs> Kambara dead. And one of my favorite scenes is is the police. Uh, know about him murdering Kambara, go to his house and he hides in the bed of his children. Yeah. And then they they pull they pull the covers back and they're like, and he just shoot, starts shooting the cops. <laughs> right next, like lying next to his two children. He's like, ah, oh, fucking kill him. So you know? so it's so bizarre. Weird. Really, really funny though, but bizarre. Yeah. Um before we go on to graveyard, I just want to mention um something that Fukusaku's biographer said. Um because uh, it's gonna It'll come up a little bit. Um, so Fukusaku uh, biographer Sadao Yamane um, believes that Battles was popular because of the time of its release. Japan's economic growth was at its peak at the end of the 1960s. The student uprising took place at that time. The young people had similar feelings to those of the post-war society depicted in the films. Yep. 
Yemain also stated that for the rest of his career, Fukusaku was approached many times by producers to create movies similar to battles, but always turned them down, wanting to move on to films he found more interesting. Again, exactly what I said before. Literally, it's what people wanted at the time. So the, the student uprising, the change in just the way people think. You know, like you said, Japan was on the rise economically. That's all down to the new wave of young people coming through, um, a new generation. And this is what they wanted. They, they wanted this kind of movie. They wanted this kind of entertainment, you know, fast, frenetic, riddled with facts and more of it. Yeah, it's I mean, I think, it's, it's quite, I think it's quite condemning. Yeah. Condemning, is that right? Yeah. That he basically, you know, wanted to move on and do more interesting stuff. Because because it, it made an impact, it made a change yeah. for, for the better for cin- for cinema. Like you know, sometimes cinema needs to be, you know, we've got to move on, we've got to change with the times, and, and yeah, and it'll it'll, ha- it'll happen in the next ten years. Oh, absolutely. You know, in uh, you know Hollywood and everything like that, it'll yeah. something will change again. Something drastic will change. It always does. Like the westerns went the way of the westerns did. You know, superhero movies probably will eventually go that way at some point. Yeah. There'll be there'll be a new craze for. Like we'll get more horror or something like that. That'll be the yeah. new craze, or you know, bloody period dramas. I don't know, or bi- <laughs> biopics. You know, there's always like a like a like you can see it. In, like most of these Clone Wars are part of that. Like the more the more I do them, the more of a kind of because again they're coming out around about the same time. A lot of them, so they're they're yeah. usually part of a wave of you know those type of movies being made, uh, yeah. and that's why they're so similar. I mean, you you could argue that that this kind of change. You know this kind of change in people's perceptions of cinema, and it's it's already happened mm. because you know what happened recently. Bloody Amazon bought MGM, one of the mm. oldest, oldest bloody production companies. I remember doing like a thesis on them. You know when they were battling um, RKO Pictures and all that mm. back in you know the 30s, 40s, and that is it's massive. That is a massive shift. The battle of the cinema is over. It's online media now. It's online. Yeah. It's all online. It will be. Of course, they'll still release films in the cinema, but those are no longer the battlegrounds. The in-house picture is no longer a battleground. It's all... It's Cinema is like an extension, really. It's just like the added bonus just to get a bit of extra pocket money because hmm. the revenue is now all... It's all. I mean, so Sony are putting all their films on Netflix, aren't they? So Sony with Netflix, MGM's with Amazon, you know, Disney Plus has got all the Marvel films, all the Star Wars films, everything that will come from, you know, their production company, 20th Century Fox. It's all going to be on Disney Plus as well as in the cinema. That is the shift, I think, in our modern age. And that, but within the next 10 years, we'll see, I don't think we'll see the death of cinema, but... I think we'll see a much more scaled back approach where it focuses maybe on people going watching cult films. Like you, you and Dennis went watching um, Demons. Yeah, we went to see Demons. Demons. Yeah, yeah. I really wanted to come with you on that, but I, I couldn't find the time. Yeah, new, don't worry. This new career I've embarked on. Um, well, they're, they're still open. They're still doing these kind of films. Yeah, exactly. There's, and there's and I, think, I think I think that's the way forward. I think that's probably how cinema will become. It'll be it'll go back to like a smaller kind of thing maybe you know where we're showing these cult movies and people are you know going and watching them even though they put they are on like amazon and things like that they'll get drowned out because of these bigger features getting put on there but the, th- the thing is people don't want to don't want to go to a cinema pay that much money and then be disappointed 
why not why not yeah. go to the cinema exactly. and watch something you love already like, currently like i've not been able to watch a lot recently hence why my sort of like reviews have kind of fallen away a little bit but me and me and the, me and the missus are we're still stoically debating whether we go and watch Cruella. And Cruella's been out for a couple of weeks now. And we want to go to the cinema. We really want to go to the cinema. We're quite happy to go and pay 20 quid plus drinks and whatever. But then it's 20 quid on Disney Plus as well. And we're, mm. we're like, I don't want to pay it. I don't want to pay it. But at the same time, okay, uh, but we're going to pay more at the cinema. What do we do? Do we? It's that trade-off, isn't it? It's like, you want to see the big screen adventure. I will never, like, if there's... So let's go if there's a Marvel film like um, Black Widow, for example. Hmm. I will not watch that on TV. I will go to the cinema to watch that. Yeah. But these other films, these other films that you're unsure about, would you rather be sat at home, comfy and whatever? That's the shift, I think. That's hmm. the shifting dynamic. Because these unknown films, these smaller films, you might not, oh, I don't want to really drive 20 minutes to a cinema, pay 40 quid only for it to be shite. Yeah, exactly. And and like and that's the thing is that that's why we've had that shift to TV as well because these the the big the big blockbuster you know gone with the wind type dramas aren't really a thing anymore and they're not a draw like like movie yeah. movie movie stars I, I would, are not I would, a draw. Yeah, I would honestly love a big old fashioned four hour western sword and sandals epic that has an interval. I, I I don't think we'll ever get it again, and that's a little bit upsetting. Yeah, but just in you know, obviously this changing dynamic, of the, you know, in the 1960s in Japan is not not the same thing, but it was the start of the shift. So it was a it was a revolution in in the way that yeah. cr- crime was depicted on cin- on cinema in cinema in Japanese cinema, yeah. like a lot a lot of Japanese cinema, like like we spoke about Kurosawa, he's very influenced by you know. And Western media, and I think Fukusaku is the same as well. I think there's yeah. a lot of Western influence, and then it's it kind of loops back again, back to the West. It, you know, this then influences the West, yeah, um, yeah. and we and we see that a lot. But yeah, I think I think you know these you don't you won't get your period dramas in cinemas anymore. You won't get things like that. You'll you won't get the award winning kind of Oscar unless there is Oscar buzz about a specific film. I don't think you will then see at the cinema unless it's yeah. maybe getting that kind of that film festival Cannes sort of thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think those kind of films like your big blockbusters, your fast and the furious your Jurassic parks, your Marvel, your star Wars, you still get them in the cinema, but I think the smaller, more independent, that's why a lot of like really serious actors kind of shift to TV because it, again, it's more like the dramas are working there. You've yeah. got a bit more to play with. There's, there's less money. So there's less risk. Um, yeah. that sort of thing. Anyway. Give, yeah. You've got to give credit. Just take quick. You've got to give credit yeah. to those agents early on, sort of like eight, nine years ago that convinced a couple of A-listers to dive into TV. Mm. They obviously saw what was coming and were like, do this cement yourself because it's all going to go online it's all going to go on tv telling you now Mm. well fucking done yes (laughs) because now every every a-list actor is like oh can i can i have a can i be in a drama on hbo please Mm. or can what's abc got going what's netflix doing i want to be involved in that again it's complete it's complete shift because tv actors always wanted to be movie actors now movie actors want to be tv actors a-list actors didn't want anything fucking to do with it unless it was like a cameo or something in a random episode of bloody friends they didn't want anything to do with it didn't want anything to do with it yeah. now they all fucking want it <laughs> right we've talked enough about cinema itself so let's get back to these films uh right graveyard of honor so this is 
another one, which it's just another one. Uh, <laughs> another one. <laughs> so it's 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 fairly similar. Again, it's about the real story of a criminal. Uh, this time it is what's his name? Uh, Rikio Ishikawa. Oh, Rik- that's it, Rikio Ishikawa. So yeah, so again, this is based off um, some real life kind of newspaper and kind of memoirs and stuff. This guy is the most self-destructive guy I think I've ever seen in a film. Um, Yeah. It it opens with kind of interviews from real people talking about the real man himself and what he was like. And it it basically has a line where it says, like, as long as I can remember, I always wanted to be a Yakuza. But (laughs) but like somebody else says it. So I was like, oh, oh, it's like Goodfellas. Um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, he well, stole that line. <laughs> yeah, that could be. Yeah, could be. Um, and he's talking about him. He's always seen himself as a balloon. That he's always going to rise and rise and rise. <laughs> but yeah, there's a little bit of like Scarface and Goodfellas in this kind of DNA of this, or or vice yeah, versa. Yeah. Um, you can definitely see that kind of right that because like the way the way it's described on all the websites and stuff and everywhere I could see like IMDb, it was like, oh yeah, his rise in power and he he becomes this. This Yakuza Godfather, and I was like, "No, he doesn't. He doesn't no, even get fucking close. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. He's ba- he's a, he's a mess. Yeah. He's a mess, and he fucking ruins everything for everyone and hurts everyone. <laughs> there's, there's no, I get like we were saying. There's no redeeming features here. This, this film, I think, is more it's more darker. It's more depressing, and it's more sort of like." Oh God! And why that kind of thing? Like, why are you yeah. doing this? Why are you? Oh, I mean, just you never really get into the middle of it. There's, there's, there's a bit where he's hiding, isn't he? And mm. he runs into this, this house, this, like, this geisha house, mm. and he goes into this room and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna hide here. Just let me hide here." And she's like, "Okay, just don't hurt me. Don't hurt me." And he goes, "No, don't worry, I won't." And then he brutally rapes her yep. for no reason. Mm. And at that point, I went, oh, this is going to be a struggle. This is going to be, again, mm. like, I don't know, because it started off a little bit differently. I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. I can see this guy. He's yeah. clearly Tony Montana kind of thing. He doesn't give a shit. He's pissing in the street. He's robbing food. He's, you know, he's wearing sunglasses. Nobody else is. He's mm. barging into people. I was like, okay, you know, he's the anti-hero. No, he's not. He's just a really, really horrible human being hmm. and you know it there is the development in the film where he starts to understand the errors of his ways and he starts to feel responsible especially for the geisha hmm. and you know you get a lovely bit towards the end where he's, he's at, i think he's a bit repentant and whatever but again it's like everything he does in between doesn't add up to that it doesn't solidify any of it so you're like you're left with like i don't believe you <laughs> yeah the, there's so many opportunities he's given as well. Like he's, you know, oh, he's, yeah. he's like, he's like, I'm not going to kill you, but you're banished. Um, even though you tried to kill me and were almost successful. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, he comes back. He's like, you're banished for ten years. Year and a half, he's already back. And he's like, yeah. they're like, what are you doing, mate? What are you doing? Yeah, there's the, the bit, isn't there, where they, 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 he's been banished and they, they see him sat in a restaurant or something, and they're all, they're all they're all looking at him and they're all like talking to each other. Going, Is that him? Is that him? Really? 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 <laughs> you can just see like the mulling over what to do. They don't know what to do because he's just yeah. sat there. He's just sat there in the middle of this thing, just doing a menial task. Yeah. And they're like, we fucking told you this is <laughs> off for 10 years and you're here. Have you forgot? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so like I'll, I'll go, I'm, again, I've condensed the plot as best yeah. I can. 
Ricky Rikio falls foul of a politician. So we've we've been introduced to him. He's he's an arsehole. He commits a few crimes, but this is the main yeah, yeah. this is the main part of the plot. Like he's pissing on prostitutes. You know, he's doing all this sort of stuff. Oh, he's, he's, get, he's getting in trouble in the gambling dens for no real reason. Oh, that scene, it made me laugh. Sorry. <laughs> he's just walking down the street and he sort of looks to his right and goes, oh, okay. Turns yeah. around, there's just a group of prostitutes sat in the corner and he just pisses all over them. Oh, it's this, so funny. I will say this about these two films. Not the not the feminist ideal, these two films, really. No, no, like, they're not. It's, yeah, there's a lot of questionable things, isn't there? Yeah, like I know, I know when we talked about Kurosawa, we talked about how great and powerful the women were in that, in that, in those. Yeah, films. they have no power here whatsoever. It's nothing. They're they're basically just things to do and or get money from, basically. Yeah. which is not yeah. nice. Um, there's, there's no, there's no, there's not even any like sort of evidential learning or evolution of these characters either, is that they're all they're, they, they they there's nothing to them. They are literally just things in the film. Yeah. In both the films, this yeah. one, this one more so. Hmm. In a... There's a bit more of a lecherous vibe to this one, I think. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll go through. The, I'll go through the plot as quickly as I can. So, Rikio falls foul of a politician that his gang are in cahoots with at a gambling den, and he destroys his car, which I enjoyed. Uh, leading to an, <laughs> he just sticks a rag. He just sticks a rag in, doesn't he, and lights it on fire, and they're like. What are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, ha, 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 runs away. And the whole, <laughs> fucking car ex- whole fucking car explodes. That's the boss's car. I know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what he says. Um, so, so obviously his boss is insanely mad about this, gives him a hell of a beating. And you think, okay, he's learned his lesson now. He's definitely learned his lesson. No, he comes right back. He goes to see the... The woman he rapes basically becomes his wife throughout the, the film, which is questionable in itself. Um, and he forces her to become a prostitute to earn money. And, and like she's the only one with like a good heart in the whole film, really. She's the only one yeah. that's even slightly nice, but she's constantly taken advantage of and then dies of, I believe it's tuberculosis, I believe. Yeah. And, and then he has tuberculosis as well. Like it, it clarifies that he has tuberculosis, but he seems to survive for like ever. Um, and it doesn't really affect him. He just has a bit of a cough now and again. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit, a bit weird, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. like, okay, it's, it's supposed to be a debilitating illness, but... Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> you should, like, how long, you know, you're supposed to, like, almost be dying pretty much. Like, that's why there's vaccines for the fucker, because it's so yeah. bad. Anyway, so, so he comes right back after this beating with his boss. He goes to see the geisha, comes back... And then tries to kill his own boss. And the boss is like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? And then even then, he's almost successful. He almost does it. But he's like, and even then he goes, I'm not going to kill you, but you are banished for 10 years. So he goes to prison. I think he goes to prison for 10 years. Then he's banished for 10 years. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So he comes out of prison. And when he comes out of prison, that's when the banishment starts, I think. Um, but then after a year and a half, he just comes back. And in this time, he's developed a uh, heroin addiction um, in, and got tuberculosis as well. Yeah. It's going well. <laughs> so, yeah. So stubborn motherfucker, this guy. He's so stubborn. So he returns to his original boss. Now, he's become, he's become a drug addict. He's got this junkie who's kind of his, his partner now. Um, and... You can kind of see that he's like the higher he's trying to get in the ranks of the yakuza, like his posture just becomes worse and worse and gets yeah, lower yeah. and lower. And I really like that visual kind of dynamic. And he keeps seeing the balloons, like he's like, "Oh, I'm like that balloon. I'm going to get there." But like, yeah. it's almost like the harder he tries to become a yakuza, 
the the further he gets away from it, like becoming yeah, yeah. that boss. After this um, exile that he's had, you know, he ends up getting he ends up killing the guy who protects him, who sees him at the gambling den. He goes, "What are you doing here? You're an idiot. It's only been a year and a half. Here's some money. Piss off somewhere, you know." And again, the closest thing he has to a friend, and he was like, he was like, I'm not pissing off anywhere. I'll be back." And then and then tries to kill him, cuts his yeah. face, and then goes to his house and successfully kills him. And you're like, "What are you doing? You're the." Only mate he had, he gave you everything. You're just killing him. He gets arrested for that because he holds off the police, gets arrested for that, and his junkie mate goes insane because there's no drugs left. Comes out of prison and goes, goes, um, and his wife has been supporting him with being a prostitute. You know, she's there every court date. Like, she basically loves him, despite him being the most horrific person. Um, <laughs> and then she, she, dies of, she dies of tuberculosis. There's a really tragic bit where he's picking out her ashes from the cremation, like the bones yeah, yeah. and stuff. He then visits Kawada, who was the leader of the gang, and he says, right, I'm going to start my own gang, but I need some money, I need some land, and I need some guns. And he's like, are you having a fucking laugh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you on about? And while he's doing that, he starts eating his own wife's remains. Yeah. Starts just chewing them and like like they're polos or something, mints or something, just keep <laughs> chewing away. And the guy just walks out because initially he says, "Yeah, I'll give you some land. Why not?" Um, but the, the further it goes on, he's like, "Well, I'll be yeah. back." Then he robs from the their drug dealers from the same gang, but then they find him at a graveyard, almost kill him, but he still survives somehow because they end up breaking all their swords because yeah. um, they're pretty fucking useless as well. <laughs> Ends up in prison. Still hasn't died yeah. from all these wounds or anything. Six years, I think. He's in, yeah. he's in the prison the last time for six years. And then he throws himself off the top of the prison and dies. And he's written on the walls. He's gone, what a laugh. 30 years of madness. And his, okay. gra- and his grave, which is even almost much like, like a dark kind of joke, um, it says, what does it say? It says, um, honour and humanity, I think it says. on. Yeah, the- yeah, yeah. And it's like, like it's almost like a like a black like a like a dark joke like black comedy. He's yeah. like, Haha, that's what my life was all about. Yeah, as as fucking yeah, no yeah. way. And it is real. That gravestone is real as well. That's uh, literally the only, one of the last remaining bits of information they have on this actual guy mm-hmm. is that gravestone. It's really, really bizarre. Really bizarre. I did. I did quite laugh. I, I laughed because he went to like he went to fuck you prison. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or like Fuku prison, but I, I, yeah, kind of, yeah. I read it as like fuck you because like you're an arsehole, so you're going to fuck you prison. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I mean Takashi Takashi Miike is is obviously quite a fan of this as well because he remade the film in 2002, yeah, and yeah. Takashi Miike is known for doing some mental films like Audition um, and Ichi the Killer, you know, which is yeah, another geez, Yakuza, yeah. yeah, another Yakuza film. So like he's obviously gone this, but more. Um, yeah. Um, I so, want yeah. more craziness. I would, I would like to watch the the uh, the remake and just see see how it differs and how how similar it is. But yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a mad one. This one, it, just like the last one, really. It's just as mad. I don't think it's as it's not quite as action packed. There's a lot more story. There's a lot more character. It's yeah. a bit more of a through line. Um, the music is a lot more kind of tragic as well. It's not as like da-da. Um, it's a lot more kind of subtle in the the telling of the story. Um, what are your other thoughts on it? Again, I, th- I think I did prefer this one over battles, but again, same thing. I was just like, I, 
because I couldn't invest in the character because of all the like because there's no redeeming features or anything. Hmm. I just I, again I just I just struggled really really struggled to get the point <laughs> honestly <laughs> beyond sort of like oh watch this horrible man do all these terrible things because because he's awful from the start you know there's no sort of like collapse into these you know into the into this horrible yeah, it, it doesn't stuff. it doesn't start as like an innocent and then gets kind of yeah, taken yeah, in yeah. and becomes awful or there's no like there's no rise and fall like yeah you could, you could art like there's it's not a rise and fall story because there's not really a rise no it's just constant falling it's yeah. just like it's it's his inability to understand his place and you know his limitations because mm. he just wants it all there and then yeah. Like the, the difference between sort of like him and sort of like Tony Montana is that Tony Montana consolidates his power, does things to initiate his business, and then runs afoul because he's you know consumed by his own greed and by his own power. Here, there's no there's no consolidation of anything. It's just like give me money so I can achieve this. Give me this so I can achieve this. No, okay, well you die. Um, I'll kill you as well. I'll kill all all these guys over here. Oh well, you're gonna to have to disappear for ten years now. Oh, okay then. But yeah. I'm still coming back, and I'm gonna get what I deserve. Well, you don't. He doesn't deserve anything. He's not earned anything. There's no earning. It's all just demanding. Yeah. And it makes it makes him such an unlikable character. And like, then like, he does he does things on top of it that make it even fucking worse. Yeah. Like even even out. And, yeah. Even outside of just the gang stuff, he's just awful anyway he doesn't yeah. plan anything he doesn't learn anything a complete fucking moron he just keeps doing that like was it uh was it the, repeating the same action is like madness you know yeah, like, yeah. start with the science experiment if you're just doing the repeat the same process it's just madness and yeah. that's what he does he just goes i want that money i deserve that money give me that money if you don't give me that money i'll kill you that's it yeah. for the entire film <clears throat> and people I mean, are just you like could, you're you could argue that it's influenced by his you know his his illness you know it's a debilitating illness but it doesn't play into it no. <laughs> it doesn't play into it. You don't. You get the old, you get the old nod and reference here, but it's it's actually it's actually his wife who suffers more because of it. So basically, you're supposed to acknowledge the illness via his wife, <laughs> you know, as opposed to himself. Yeah. But then it does the whole. Oh, well, now he's addicted. He's addicted to heroin. Okay, maybe that factors into it. Maybe it's desperation so that he can get more drugs mm. and all this. But again, it doesn't really factor into it too much. And it's not it's kind like... of almost like an extension without mm. any meaning yeah well it's, it's not and it's not like he's like he doesn't know what he's doing like he's he has his mental faculties he knows exactly what he's doing yeah like he's not mental he's not mental in the way that he's like i'm just gonna kill anyone like he's he does he says right you need to die you need to die you need to die so you know he he has his faculties about him but he still doesn't learn doesn't plan he just like what again again a lot of this a lot of these films are just walking up to somebody in the street and just shooting them there's no like get yeah. a sniper rifle or plant a bomb in a car or anything like that like no yeah. subtle ways of assassinating it's just like you know wear a disguise or do it in the middle of the night sneak in like a ninja yeah. or something it's just like right you're in the street i'm in the street i've got a gun bang i shot first you die yeah, I mean, you talk about like mental faculties degrading and so when, when take Joker as an example, mm. that film it starts off where he's he's kind of a broken person to begin with, and then it gets worse. His psyche gets broken to a point where he becomes a character because he's no longer the real person. And you see the shift, like we're saying in this film, he, he slowly degrades into like this hunched up sort of like. You know, okay, you could say that's a marker of the tuberculosis, maybe because yeah. you know you do actually fucking you can't use your body or whatever, but it's never really said. 
So like the opposite in Joker is he's, he's very hunched over to begin with as his psyche is being destroyed, as he's losing his mental faculties, he becomes upright. He becomes very confident in his movement because this character is taking over, but there's nothing in here of that because he's all very one level. Mm. So when he is starting to degrade, it's just literally for no purpose, which mm. is a shame. I think if they linked it together and said, you know, his desperation is making him hunched over and, you know, give me this fucking money. I deserve it. You know, yeah. becoming like, like a golem kind of figure, you know, like give me the, the fucking, I want the, I want this because it's mine. I deserve this. This is mine. Look what it's making me do. Look what it's turning me into. You know, there's none of that. There's none of yeah. that. And I think that's a bit of a shame. Because like the, the, there's a lot of narration in it that kind of says we only knew this or we we knew people who knew him, but yeah. there's nothing to say like who he is other than the things he does. Yeah, it's and like, I think I think that's I think that's a bit of a mistake. Sorry to interrupt. I think that's a bit yeah. of a mistake that these films went down that hardened documentary thing. I think in this film there could have been um, it could have benefited a little bit more from creative you know, ideas rather than going, oh, we didn't know anything about this guy, so we're not going to make it up. Well, you, you know, there's a difference between making it up and, you know, being influenced and expanding upon the knowledge of what you think of the character. Mm. You're not necessarily lying. You're going, we don't know any information, but based on this character that we do know, mm. we can, you know, hint that maybe it was going this way for him. Maybe he did this thing. Maybe he was doing that. Maybe yeah. he was broken inside in his head, but they do, because because they try and make it so fundamentally factual, there's no room for that. There's no room for the oh, maybe he he did have, you know, a personality disorder or something like that. Yeah. But again, because of this film, they wanted the action. Yeah. They wanted it fast, furious, ninety minutes, bingo, done. Make another one. Yeah, I, th I think again, like we said about battles, it's that it's that realism is is restrictive in some ways. Yeah. That 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 factual basis of of something is is a restrictive thing on on the creative process. Like like you said, there's no creative license given. Even though you could have done that, you could have like there's loads of like to be based off a true story to have that on a like a film poster only needs to be like twenty percent true. So. So really, you could have you could have thrown a lot of this factual stuff away, really, and still said this is still based on facts, but we're we're just adding a few little things to make it an entertaining film. It's got to be entertaining at the end of the day, you know, and and that's I think what holds these films back a little bit. Again, I think it's shot well, looks good, but I, I, again, I think it's the writing. It's purely yeah. the the writing that is yeah. rest restricting it, and the way it's kind of. I don't know if it's maybe like, oh, you, you've got to include this, you've got to include that, we're going to have this in it, we're going to, going to show this. I don't know if that's also affected it. But but yeah. like, like you said, there are there are really, really good shots in this. So the, the use of the Steadicam is even more prevalent in this film where it's like literally right in there, almost in between the legs or like in between sort of like, you know, you know, in the midriff area, you know, in, in amongst all these characters while they're fighting and shooting and killing each other. And then on the flip side of it, you've got, there's a wonderful shot where I think he's, He's in one of the geisha houses or something like that, and he's completely smacked off his head on heroin, and he's sat next to a whore who, again, she looks dead. I'm not sure whether she is dead or not, but she's just lying there again. They've just taken heroin together, and it just it stays there for a good 10, 12 seconds, that singular shot, and then it go, cuts into his face like a little bit closer, and you're like, okay, I can see elements of what needed to be more in this film. Hmm. You needed to do more of this smaller bit 
you know, this kind of stuff. Let me in, let me into the character. Yeah. Let me in. And that's what I wanted more than anything in these films. I wanted to be in a little bit more rather than the mayhem. Yeah. So although the mayhem's good, it means nothing if I don't give a shit about the character. That's my big problem with movies, like mm. in general, I think. It's like you can have all the chaos you want. I love chaos. I love insanity. But if I don't give a shit about the characters, I don't care. Because mm. Aliens has some throwaway characters, but you get given stuff that makes you care about them. So when they die, you go, fucking hell. Mm. You know, Hicks, New, you know, hey, Vasquez. <laughs> Vasquez, everybody, anybody ever told you you look like a man? Has anybody ever told you? Oh! <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I, Brilliant. I, I totally, totally agree. Yeah, uh, it's... I, I think, like, looking at some of his later films, like, people will probably be more... will recognise his later work with, like, Battle Royale. Yeah, Kinji, I mean, Kinji, yeah. Fukasaki's Battle Royale has those... Like you just said about aliens, it has those characters, and you get yeah. get to know those characters, even though they're being killed off left, right, and center. Again, there's more here to for you to grab onto. There's more in battle royale for you to grab onto yeah. and to relate to. So when they do die, you're like, oh fuck, or like when it comes out of nowhere, you're like, oh shit, oh no, it's that character's gone, and this is yeah. you know the tension is there and the and the worry is there, and you and you you identify with these characters, but with like. You know, with uh, Rikio in this, you you don't identify with him because you're just like you're just awful all the way through it. There's nothing. Yeah. It's not even a. There's not even like a little thing because even where it says, "Oh, she became my wife," she became yeah. Rikio married her before her death, but we don't know if that was his doing or it's something she wanted. You know, yeah. so we could have forced her into marriage just to get like you know the insu- like the life insurance money or something. But yeah, like Battle Royale and Battle Royale Two. Um, is quite important to Fukusaku because at the time he had terminal prostate cancer and, yeah. the, and the doctors told him, they said, you can't go anywhere. You need to be hospitalised. And he said, yeah. no, I need to finish my film. I need to finish Battle Royale 2. And that was the last film he made. Um, yeah. Again, I've not seen that, but I'm going to... It's on our... I've not seen the second one, but I absolutely love yeah. the, the original. I've got like a collector's edition of it. And I, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. But like you said... It's so different style, characterization. There's a lot of characters in Battle Royale, a lot of characters, mm. and you're given just about enough to be invested in some of them so that when they do get killed off, you go, oh, fuck me, Jesus mm. Christ, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, even even the opening scene in the in the classroom, you, yeah. get, you get the setup, you go, right, this is the setup, this is the story, this is what's going to happen. Bang! Off we go. Like that. Yeah. That that for that moment is good enough because you go, okay, you've set the premise. I'm grounded. I'm here. Yeah. Now the chaos has begun. Yeah. Now now I'm I'm ready for the chaos. Yeah. We get um, given everything. We get given the stakes. We get given the characters. We get given the ramifications. We get given. We li- we get given the end as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're all gonna die. Um, good luck uh, to whoever wins. <laughs> you know. But we, but we like battles and with you know a little bit more with graveyard. You get a bit more. Of a grounding, yeah. But, but even then, it's still almost straight into the pew, 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 yeah. kind of thing. But with battles, it's almost none of that. It just goes post-war Japan. Things are a bit shit. Anyway, bang, bang, bang. Um, you know, <laughs> I, did, off. <laughs> I did quite like the the scene in graveyard with the the third nationals, which are like Korean and and Taiwanese uh, prisoners of war. That yeah. had been released, and then they were like, they were like, we're protected by the American GI, so fuck you. And they're just yeah. like, 
taking the piss and illegally gambling. And there's a great moment where they go in to rob the third nationals, uh, Rikio and the gang. And then that's when he goes to store the money and straight after that, but they get locked up. And the, the, the guard is like, oh, what are we going to do with you guys? Well, actually, we've been after the third nationals and now we've got them for illegal gambling up to three years. So um, cough, cough, nudge, nudge, here's the key. <laughs> just <laughs> just let them go. I loved it. It was just like, oh, well, um, cheers for that. But yeah, just, you know, I'll just leave this key here. Yeah. You know, I'm, be, I'm just going to turn away for a moment, if you, you know. You know, just in case. Um, I love, I love that again. Like one of one of the great little bits, of tiny bits of humor in these films that is like well earned, well deserved. And I was like, yeah. I was laughing again. I was laughing out loud. It was like <laughs> a bit like the a bit like the guy going, "Oh, you didn't need to cut your finger off. What are you doing, you weirdo?" Yeah. You know, it's just just great. But um, I think we have come to the point now where we need to pick one of these films to be the better uh, of I, the two. Yeah, I think I think we're ready as well. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So as usual, there are five categories for comparison. So we've got writing, acting, music, cinematography, and direction. So let's start with the writing. Um, again, we said that the writing is probably the weakest thing in these films, yeah. arguably. Um, which way do you think you're leaning? Uh, probably the latter. Grave, graveyard, yeah? Yeah, Graveyard, beg your pardon, yeah. I, yeah. I, I got confused between latter and former then. How silly of me. <laughs> well, it, uh, to be fair, it's quite easy to get these two films mixed up, as, yeah. we've, as we've discussed. Yeah. Graveyard for me, purely because it is that little bit more streamlined, it is that little bit more, I say little, and I mean little, that little bit more focused on certain aspects of the character. But again, only only in the, only in the, the small smallest measure hmm. and i'm thinking about sort of like the bits where he's talking with the junkie with junkie mate and yeah. you know junkie mate's like oh we're gonna we're gonna get fucking killed we need more shit and he's like oh, fuck you fuck your shit you know those kind of moments again that doesn't sound like much because i've just <laughs> i just made it so basic but it's it's much better structured i think like i i, I totally agree i think I, i'd definitely give it to graveyard as well Again, it's just, I think it's more action-packed battles, so there's there's a bit yeah. more kind of dynamism to it. And I think maybe it's, you know, I don't know if it's maybe better choreographed with the fights and stuff, but, yeah, for me, I think Graveyard is just, it's more of a character piece as opposed to, like like we said, you know, the main character in battles fucks off for half an hour, yeah. and then we're, and we're left in kind of no man's land trying to figure out who's who do I follow now, which character do I follow now, and it's really not anybody until he comes back. So yeah, I think as a through line, as a kind of like an up and down kind of roller coaster ride of a film, yeah. I think I think Graveyard does that better. I th- and I, I preferred the way the you the documentary style works better in this. I think than yeah, it's not it's not quite as intrusive, even mm. though it does kind of like this moment where you go, oh okay, I get it. <laughs> Like you said about exposition on your channel and on this channel, like yeah, battles is just like oh, and this by the way, here's some narration. Yeah, so so you have context for all these murders. Yeah, exactly, and yeah, again, that's a, that's another big grindy annoyance of me is like if you're having to tell me, that's because you haven't told me in your film. If you're having to tell me in like oh well, remember when we did that and remember when this guy died because of this happening. It's because you haven't shown me properly. You haven't conveyed it properly in your script. If yeah. you're having to tell me in black and white, you haven't done your job. Show, don't tell. That's the cardinal yeah. rule. Yeah. 
Show, don't tell. I mean, obviously, some bits, you know, you have to go, oh, fucking hell, he's had his arm blown off. He's dead now. Yeah, okay. But we saw it. (laughs) You know, things like that. (laughs) Like the guys that get their arms cut off in the beginning of um, battles, you know they're dead. I don't need to be told they're dead because literally they've had their arms cut off and then they're left. Yeah, you know? and, and the blood is like nothing. They're not covering them up. They're yeah. just streaming blood. You and know that. Left them. Yeah. That amazing style. So um, yeah, yeah. So so we'll give right into graveyard. So next one is acting. So which had the better acting of the two films? Graveyard. Graveyard, because like we said, it does focus more in on that singular character, and we do see elements of him changing and well, I say changing like becoming more aware of what he's doing, yet the inability to change, the reluctance to change, uh, refusal to change. Um, we do see that. And then we see like all these other people around him going, what the fuck are you doing? What, why, why are you doing this? We're your friends, we're your allies, we're people that are trying to help you. And yet you, you, you're fucking us off. And we're trying to encourage you to go somewhere else, you know, to save your life. And you're refusing to do it. We get all those moments. I, I think I think as well, like these these films probably also influenced the actual Yakuza in real life. I think seeing these films for in the 70s probably somewhat influenced them because, you know, like we have people like Scarface, Goodfellas, and that is influential, you know, oh, yeah. beyond beyond just the regular audience. You know, the people in the mafia will have seen them and, you know, people in organised crime will have seen them yeah. and, then, and then been influenced like that. I think, you know... Uh, Rikio is probably like is probably up there because they're like, yeah, what a badass, what a, you know, what a, what an amazing guy. Like like a lot of people, I remember watching like the Scarface DVD and they've got all these rappers going like, oh yeah, I love Scarface, get the yayo, he's proper gangster and all this. And yeah. you're like you're like, yeah, it's a good film, it's entertaining, but you're missing the fucking point. Yeah, yeah. Scar Scarface in when they had like the resurgence of it in the in the nineties and early noughties, obviously with the prevalence of DVD, it literally became like almost like a foundation, a piece of foundation material for, you know, certain aspects of gang culture and even in music as well. Like references mm. in music, you hear it yeah. all the time. You hear it all the time from, from you know, rap albums. I think even like Eminem bloody references at some point, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you see like the references are on the nose in that regard and you get it with these as well. Yeah, so, and I think, again, like these films did change what Yakuza cinema was and what Yakuza film was, yeah. I think. From there, you see Takashi Miike um, and Takeshi Kitano, I'm going to talk about as well later in the month. You know, you can see that influence has, has come on and shifted and changed with yeah. these these new voices and this new direction. Um, you know, it's it's like it, you've added an extra layer to how they can be perceived and and depicted on film. Yeah, I, I would give the, the acting to Graveyard as well, again, we have more time with that character. We have an we have an hour and a half with that character. We only have an hour with Shizo in battles. Yeah. So you know, and again, you kind of you come. He goes away for half an hour. And you come. He comes back. You don't really care at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you no. Where, where has that? Where is his journey brought him to? Then yeah. it's kind of just a massive hole in his history. Um, yeah. It's only it's, in the last ten minutes where you actually start to care about him when yeah. he realizes that everything is just fruitless. And he doesn't give a shit anymore. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's too late. That's too late. Yeah, comes over. Like I, I needed to know what was going on when he was in prison. It, like not even like not even like spend the whole time in prison, but at least cut back to him every now and again. Yeah. Just like living in prison, brushing his fucking teeth. I don't care. Give me yeah. some, something to kind of show me his. Yeah, you know we, where he is. We we get it in graveyard where we see him in prison, like being you know 
tortured by the guards, you know. They put food on the little that little grate, don't they? And he goes yeah. to try and eat it and then it just slips between the grate and they're all laughing at him. You know, we get those little flecks, you know. He's supposed to be in prison for 10 years and we, we only see like a few scenes, but we, we get it. We get what prison's been like for him in that, in that bit. Hmm. But the problem is, going back to the writing, is that we don't get any evidence about what that's done to him as a person hmm. coming out of it. He's yeah. just exactly the same. He still doesn't give a shit and still wants to kill people. Yeah. Right. Um, so next up is so that's two for graveyard. Music. Ah, I see. I don't. I, I honestly couldn't pick out of them. Don't know why. Honestly, don't know why. What? What? What do you? What do you think? What? I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. Earlier, to be honest, I forgot. Um, it's, okay. it's okay. But yeah. Uh, so I honestly. No idea. I've kind of leaned more towards battle because of the what we're yeah. getting killed Bill, you know, those kind of references, that kind of stuff. Mm. But again, I honestly, <laughs> I honestly, yeah. I don't know. I can't, I can't really remember it. I, a graveyard had kind of a more kind of melancholic score. It was a lot more kind of subtle and kind of, it, I mean, it does pick up during the the action scenes, but I, mm. I don't, I don't think it's quite as memorable as battle because the music is almost integral to every murder. Like you get that musical yeah. cue. I can't remember how it sounds, but you get this. I, I want someone on YouTube just to do a supercut of all the murders from the first yeah. battle film because it's just be like bam, 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 dead, bam, 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 dead. You yeah. know that. And I, and again, that that music being used in Kill Bill, it's a bit more, Battles has a bit more dynamism, there's a bit more excitement yeah. to it, it's a bit more like, um, there's a bit more variation, I think, in the themes as well. Yeah. So so I think I think purely because of the link, probably purely because of the link to Kill Bill, um, almost entirely, I would, I would say Battles. Yeah. Um, but I do think the music for Graveyard fits the tone, mostly. Yeah. Fits the tone of like a more like a haunting kind of, tale isn't it yeah it's more Just like absolute a, misery yeah it's it's a, a tragic tale it's a tragedy but for a character you don't like um yeah. it's such a such a weird combination isn't it it's supposed yeah. to be a tragic film you can't have a tragic film if you don't care about the fucking character if you don't like the character Exactly right. It's like having that- Romeo and Juliet as like a tragedy, yet they're, it, you know, they're just Muppets that yeah. go around robbing people and things like that. It's like, I don't care because you're evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there are films where we have protagonists, not, not necessarily heroes, we do have yeah. protagonists and, you know, and there could be entertaining stories told with those characters. You don't necessarily have to like them, you know, they can be like Rikio, they can be a rapist or something, they can be the most awful human being, but there's, there's still stories you can tell, you know. Yeah, I mean... Even, even Scarface, you know, you still kind of, you don't condone the stuff he does, or, or Joker, you know, yeah. you don't condone the stuff he does, but you can kind of feel for him on some level. Yeah. Like a really, really, really good fucking example is natural born killers. They're horrible people, absolutely horrible people, but you get things in there that make you go, ah, oh, I think they've had something happen to them. Something's happened to them to make them become who they are. And they try, there's like small moments where they try to set things right and then just fucking kill them anyway. No, I, I, true, I think, true romance as well. True romance. There's bits in that where you're like, uh, you're making all the wrong decisions. You're becoming wholly unlikable, but then it brings it back. It tries to find redeeming features in all the characters. And I, I think that's why true romance works. I think that's why natural born killers works. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. I so, haven't killed anyone since 1984. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. Amazing scene. Well, my favorite, my favorite film for, for good reason. For good, yeah. good reason. Um, so are you saying that you're not gonna give the music any points? Uh, are we not? Are I will I will I will I will give it to battle purely based on what you've said about like the you know the connective tissue, the references, you know, how it's been referenced in later works, but it's forgettable. I think so too. So, so that's uh, four for for uh, graveyard, two for battle. Um, so it's getting interesting. It's getting close. Um, cinematography. Ah, interesting. Interesting. I always forget this category. I don't know why. I always forget this category. Um, I'd, I have to have five, or we just have a draw. So yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we haven't accomplished anything in this. <laughs> oh, but what yeah. happens? What happens if we're tracking, and then you pick something and I pick the opposite? Then it would be a draw, then, wouldn't it? I've only, I've only, had, I've only had one draw so far, and that was with Rasheen when we did the Rob Zombie movies, House of a Thousand yeah, Corpses, and yeah, one. That was my well, only, and and that was only that was down to me because I was just like, nah, I'm going to give it to the other one. Yeah, yeah, I could have I could have easily given it to one, but I was like, no, I'm gonna be I'm yeah. gonna be contra- Remember that Roshin was giving like really valid reasons, and you kind of went, no, nope. no, I like this one. <laughs> but, okay, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I just preferred that one. Just end of the day, that was just me. But <laughs> but they were still they're still good. They're still good. Watch them both. Yes, Cin- cinematography. I'm gonna go for oh, graveyard. I think purely because. There are those small moments where it does actually stop and it does actually sit a little while and you get the balloons, the imagery of the balloons and, you know, you see them tracking up almost like he's, you know, looking up, following them going, I should be up there. This should be me. Why is it not me? You get those moments. You get those moments of stillness. You get those moments of slowing it down. Like we say at the end, you know, when the guys come in to kill him mm. with the swords and they miss, it slows it down. You get those sort of like, oh, this is the end for him. And then he dodges out the way really quickly and it speeds back up. It ramps back up and you get the fight. Get those little bit, you get those little moments. And some of the shots in that are really, really good where you've got like, you know, people seeing him from a distance in amongst the crowd and you can see right the way through you get those wonderful little shots where everyone's kind of like, what the fuck is he doing over there? Yeah, I did I did like when they, they come in to kill him and they sl- they miss, slice the balloon and yeah. it goes up. So really, really good image because it's like, he's, that's the last vestige, isn't it, of his control mm. or lack of control, whatever. You know, mm. it's his last last bit of hope maybe. Yeah. Like, oh, I can, still, I can still do this. I can still go. And then he obviously he gets battered. I do like, there's a lot of the shots in Graveyard where it's like you said, like in the prison, shooting up into the yeah. cage and the, and the ball falls down. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to like visually. I like I like the big standoff they have um, in the warehouse when they're shooting yeah. at that. That's really good. And they start just throwing the stones in and the guy's going mental. Ah, where's my drug? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, really then, quite, it's, quite, it's quite quite wide outside mm. when the front, we pick up the stones and throwing it in and then it cuts to inside and they're literally just huddled in this corner. And the junkie guy is like trying to, you know, come on, we need to go get some drugs, you know. Yeah. And he's like, get the fuck off me, I'm trying to fire out the window. So it's very compact in the warehouse outside. It's quite, mm. quite spread and you get a good, you know, you get some decent shots. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, with, with battles, I think 
like, I, th- I think the issue I had with battles is that the choreography and the shots really good. That that kind of you know makes you feel like you're in the action. You're like mm. it's very kind of uh, you know almost like the Jason Bourne type fast, you know, yeah, frenetic. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh shit, I might get hit by that gun, or you might you feel like you want to dodge or move or yeah. hide, um, which is really effective. I think that's probably again the best part of battles for me is that and that kind of feel. But when it comes to like the just the the chatting and the you know talking around you know sat and it's it, you know it's yeah. it's not it's not like Kurosawa it's not like I can watch that gorgeous scene of everyone talking on that hilltop in Ron for ages yeah. but for this I'm like okay just you know get on but then but then yeah. again I'm like but then again I'm like there's too much of the shooting and stuff I need more of the kind of character stuff but it yeah it's, it, it's, it's so it needs weird. to be shot it needs to be shot in an interesting way like all yeah. the other stuff is being shot in this one I wasn't really that sure on and I, I'm still not 100 percent either way I think um yeah I'm just like graveyard is a lot more poetic and it has more kind of like you said and I, I like the there's kind of sh- a lot of shots of real photos and things like mixed in like yeah, that, yeah. Like, like you said that shot with him and the prostitute being monged out on the drugs um yeah. was was really effective and yeah oh it is it's hard, it's hard work these films yeah Thinking hard. about hard work to try and not just think about like the base points that we're doing now, but like mm. just overall, they've really hard work to discuss these films. It's yeah. been hard work to sort of narrow down bits and pieces about them. Like obviously, we know the cultural impact and everything like that, but yeah. getting into the nitty gritty of these films has been it's been it's been it's been difficult. It's a challenge, but I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I watched them to to kind yeah, of yeah. I mean, educate need, you need you need you need this kind of di- discourse. You can't just we can't just have everything easy, can we? We've got we've got to you know, watching these has been like a bit of an eye opener. It's been like okay, there are still challenging films out there from years and years ago. Mm. You know that people should watch and should talk about. Like if I if I just brought all the movies I liked to the table, you're only getting one view of that. Like you yeah. know, I, if I brought like all my all my favorite cult films, but I don't want to do that because that doesn't that doesn't interest me. Because I'm like, as much as I could talk about all my favorite cult films, yeah. for, you know, till the cows come home. Um, you know, I like looking for new stuff and stuff I've not <clears> heard of and and interesting stuff that yeah. we can discuss. And again might not be something we necessarily enjoy or might be at total yeah, exactly. awful films, but yeah. it's good to look at them historically and retrospectively to kind of find yeah. out. These films have been a struggle to watch, but I've mm. enjoyed watching them because I knew the discourse would be really good, going through them together, like struggling to pick between the two in terms of cinematography or music, you know. Yeah. Breeds good discourse. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of the times with you and me, like sometimes... You know, sometimes we're on the same page, sometimes we're on the opposite page. Sometimes, you know, you might be a little bit too harsh and I might be a little too <laughs> soft on the film. You know, I'm a bit too forgiving. And then sometimes it's the other way around. And that's that's what I always find interesting about these kind of clone balls and stuff and, and having yeah. you on as a guest about them. Um, but I think you have convinced me with Graveyard. I think your argument for Graveyard cinematography has swayed me. But again, it's the same It's the same kind of... I don't think it's the same cinematographer necessarily. No, no. Um, I think, think it might be a different guy, but... I didn't know that, to be fair. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I didn't look sure, that up. But yeah, I think I think the what you've said about graveyard is is like I can't think of a good argument really for battles as much as I enjoy the cinematography and that. I think yeah, 
yeah, I think your argument is is just yeah. I've got nothing. I've got nothing to retort with really. Other <laughs> I than no retort. Other than I like those bits. They were all right. Um, but I think <laughs> as as a, as a whole, again, I would go with I would go with graveyard. Okay, yeah. so um, six to graveyard and and the rest to battle. So um, so last one is direction. So the same guy oh. directed both, but which is the better directed film? Um, I mean, no. again, again, much like much like our last one, doesn't doesn't really matter. No, no, yeah. <laughs> At this point, but but we'll 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 decide anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be Honor, I think. What, graveyards. Oh, graveyard, beg your pardon, because they've both got honor in the title. Exactly. That was one of the comparisons. <laughs> I was like, I was like, honor. The winner is honor. Uh, okay, <laughs> for which honor? Which of the honors? My honor, because I sat through these films. Um, uh, <laughs> I was all ready to get up and leave as well. I think honor. Goodbye. So, so it's a tie. <laughs> Thank you for playing. See you next time. I also um, well, well, that's funny because I also choose honor. Um, uh, great. <laughs> No answer. Everyone's like, everyone's clamoring for an answer. And they're like, we choose honor. Okay. Have you seen the film Cliffhanger? Well, here's a cliffhanger for you. Dun, dun, dun. Um, graveyard. Uh, graveyard. Yeah. Purely because um, Battle feels more like it was, like I said earlier on, like it was on part of a production line. Mm. And the sheer fact that, you know, the sequels were all carted out in the space of two years, which is crazy, absolute crazy numbers. This one feels like it's got a bit more development to it, a bit more structure, like coordinated with the cinematography. It feels like he's he's settled on, you know, a story and a character that he wants to portray in a very particular way, Mm. even though there's a lot of similar similarities still with like the documentary style and the sheer fact that it's ramped up to 11 drop down to four, five, six, and then back up again. You know, there's a bit more minutiae in it. There's a bit more thought process. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I know, I think I'm pretty sure that Graveyard is the first film he did after doing all the battles. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. But yeah. like, this is the one where he went, right, I've done that. I've yeah. done that thing. And done I've, that that you wanted to be able to do. Yeah, I've done the five films, all in that style, all in that way, telling different stories, but I've given you what you want. I've given you what the audience wanted. There were box office successes in Japan, you know, for good reason. You know, they're kind of like, they were playing to that audience. That young yeah. kind of up-and-coming audience wanted that. It's like you're fast and you're furious at films. You know, people want that. Yeah, that's that. a really good way of sort of like linking it to the present, isn't it? Those yeah. films were literally like the Fast and Furious of our time. It's like they're not cheaply made, no, but they're the carted off a production line and people lap them up. And fair enough, you know, I can, I do have a, a weird sort of like um, fascination with the Fast and Furious films. Mm. I don't think they're great, but I think I can watch them and not care <laughs> about yeah. the plot. Don't really care about the characters. Don't really like them in particular, but for some reason I watch them. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I've not I've only seen one and I kind of enjoyed it. I was like I was like oh this will be shit and I was kind of as it was going on I was like yeah first one great yeah first was like, Fast and Furious film brilliant yeah really really good film and then the second one it goes a bit more weirdly like comic booky hmm. and then when you get to like five six it's become this grandiose action movie that literally doesn't make any sense and they're on a runway in one of the films that's about thirty eight miles long and you're like okay. Um, this runway doesn't exist, but never mind. 
I love that you were talking about the Fast and the Furious films and all I could hear is some boy racer in yeah. the background. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, there you go. That's the impact <laughs> on um, on people. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone could, wants to be could, in the Fast and Furious films. We couldn't have timed that more perfectly if we tried. <laughs> no. Um, what, what brilliant. But yeah. Cultural pop- relevance, boys and girls. Cultural relevance. It's all it's all cyclical. It all comes back around. Um, yeah. It's all and real, I, man. It's all real. <laughs> it's all real. Um, and yeah, so I think he actively went out of his way to tell a different story. They were probably like, we want you to do a Yakuza film. We want you yeah. do that. You do them good. We like that. We want to make money. These are popular. Make that, but do what you want. And I think he's gone, right, this is the story I want to tell. This is the character I want to tell that story. I want to tell it in this way. Nothing like my previous films. Because like actors and directors, they get bored. They don't want to do the same thing again and again and again, and over and over and over. They get bored. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. You, uh, you know, artistically, you'll stagnate. You want to do something different, um, yeah. and and that's what he did. And he chose to do this. And so I have to give the direction to to Graveyard as well. Um, you know, it's just again more streamlined, more straightforward. Again, I don't think it, the action is as well depicted, but no. but I no, bel- it's more. It's more like I said, it was more like steady cam, right in, like right in there. Yeah, the action where you can't really see what's going on too much because it's it's all about the craziness. Part of me loves that. Part of me likes that. And then, but again, like with battles, you don't. It's just that. That is is it really? Yeah. That's the only thing I'm I'm going there for is just those kind of things. And again, I got bored of that because it happened so frequently. Yeah. That it, it, you know, I don't know or care. Like we've said, like it's a slasher movie. We just characters are come and go as quick as as anything. But as, as unlikable as the character is in Graveyard, I still followed his story pretty succinctly. And and again, like the my synopsis, the t- if you have to compare the synopsises that I've created for the, the synopsy, if you will. I was going to say, synopsises. Synopsize. Read the synopsize. Synopsize. You know, that one for battles is far bigger because it's far more complex and characters are going like, the one for the one for graveyards tiny really in the grand scheme of things again picked out the stuff that wasn't that important but it's so yeah. much so much shorter because it's so much more streamlined so much more simple and easy to get and again like you said i don't mind reading subtitles i don't mind having a fast paced film but i've got to have something that that tethers yeah. me to the ground before yeah. all the madness um so yeah so graveyard is the winner by quite a big margin Apart from apart from one ca- category, apart from one category entirely, yeah. um, which was only the music, really. So there you go. I didn't I didn't I didn't see that coming? To be fair, I thought yeah. it might be a bit more tighter. But then, as we've discussed it, it's kind of like revealed itself, hasn't it? Really? Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I never I never truly make my mind up until I get here and discuss no. it with you or somebody else because I'm like, it's not fair to just go. Oh, it's good. This is going to win. Like I I like. The discussion, I like the, I like people to change my mind. I like to change other people's minds as well, if I can, and and inform that decision. Um, again, it's it's like I don't really like people telling me their top five necessarily before we do it, because I kind of like the spontaneity of it and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the real the realness and the surprise is, you know, it's it's more genuine that way. And you know, genuine and like real things can happen, like the car going by and things like that. That's yeah, that's what I live <laughs> for. Like you couldn't. If I'd planned that, it wouldn't work, but, you know, yeah. that's what I like. But, yeah, so if you have to, if you do subscribe to Arrow, um, again, lots of lots of stuff on there. A um, lot of Mako Kaji films will be talked about in Samurai Month with Lady Snowblood and Rasheen. Um, lots of uh, 
Takeshi Kitano films, which we're going to discuss in my next podcast in Yakuza films, and yeah. then a, a ton of a ton of these uh, Kinji Fukasaka ones as well. Um, there's a lot of stuff, some great Japanese cinema on this on this Ooh. app. Um, Andy's Andy's going to do it. Andy's going to sign up for it. Yeah, um, yeah, I am because uh, it's, it's so. Even if you like go on there just for like bits and pieces that we've talked about or other aspects of the genre there's, there's so much more on there from other genres and like we talk about the, the turkish star wars film and things like that there's some ridiculous stuff on there that you wouldn't yeah. think would be on there because everyone sees like the arrow collection as being like this you know this you've got the where, this is where the quintessential classics come into play yeah. and you've, you've got, got really terrible films on there as well which is great it's yeah. really really good Pro- proper trashy stuff you've got slashes on there you've got things like gamera the entire gamera franchises on there which is like Godzilla's, you know, lesser known brother. Um, <laughs> what the? Oh, yeah. we're checking that out. <laughs> he's like a, he's like a, he's like a fire breathing, f- um, flying turtle. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah. So he's he's the kind of he's the kind of uh, the go bots to the Transformers type thing. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, check that out. Uh, loads of other great stuff, um, like proper dramas on there, and and you know Swedish international, all sorts of stuff. Um, great documentaries as well. Really good app, and and absolutely get stuck in you. And again, you can buy it physically as well for the most part. These, yeah, yeah. these films that are available on the app. You don't want to don't want to pay for the app. You don't want to stream it. You can still buy the physical media, and eventually they will reprint or or get new copies of the DVDs or Blu-rays in. Um, so I, I love it. I think it's a great brand and a, and a name, and and I'm I'm well stuck in there. And I, you know, I watched Elvira the other day. I watched um, some some other stuff as well. Um, yeah, just kind of get stuck in. You know, it's comedy as well. Um, all proper weird, wacky cult stuff, which I love. You know, should yeah. should should as good as well, but that's kind of more tailored towards the horror side of things been great um and It'll work you up to getting sponsored by arrow player it's gonna be great get, get you there Let's get your fingers crossed by arrow, arrow player <laughs> uh, i would i would definitely do that i'd do all of them on the arrow player but yeah mm. yeah subscribe to it you know do it for a month you get a free month try it out if it's for you you can keep it on it's not expensive it's not really expensive oh, it's um, not. As a, it's, i think it's like a fiver fiver a month or something like that yeah um, stuff like that yeah um big go for it see, see if you like it I, I know i do um lots of good stuff so um, lots of stuff we've covered in Samurai Month. Lots of stuff we've covered in um, this. Well, we will cover in Yakuza Month as well. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the kind of the the artists, the writers, the directors, the actors, you name it. But this has been great, Andy. This has been a really interesting one. I've really liked getting into yeah. the nitty gritty of this one. Um, yeah, struggling also- with it. Like that's it's made it it's made it really really interesting. I think as well. Yeah, I, I, and really that- finding difficulty in talking about these films. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's made the discussion of it, like you said, the discourse of it, so much more interesting and, and compelling for me. So, uh, so yeah, it's been great. So, as usual, Andy, you're on the social medias and you got your own YouTube channel. So, why, I do, you, yes. why don't you tell people about that old thing? Yeah, so I'm on um, I'm on Twitter uh, at uh, Andy underscore review. Z. <laughs> Z. Um, uh, do have YouTube uh, Angry Andy reviews. Um, where I cover like movie reviews and collectible unboxings, mainly Star Wars toys, action figures, and uh, lightsabers. But yeah, that's pretty much me. I'm on yeah. Instagram as well, but I can never remember what the Instagram thing is. But the link somewhere. I'll tag you. I'll tag you as, yeah. as, as always. Um, Still relatively new to Instagram, and I use that mainly for um, action figure pictures. So yeah. I think you posted one today with uh, was it was it Darth Vader and Zool. 
Gozer, Gozer, yeah. Gozer, sorry, Gozer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, did like a little crossover event of a Gozer asking Vader, are you a god? Uh, yes very simple very simple toy photography i don't i don't have any <laughs> it's expensive a, lighting equipment but i just do it for a bit of fun like, it's a, it's effective it works yeah uh, like i said i've been busy the last couple of weeks so i've kind of missed a few weeks of like doing some reviews and whatever so i'm just trying to settle it a little bit into what i'm doing now this new thing that i'm doing but yeah yeah i'm still well, there i'm still going yeah, it, take, it takes a while to get used to a new career, like you said, and you know yeah. you've got you know you've got to do all the training, and again you've got to put that focus and that time into it for you know you've got to you know learn everything from the from the ground up. So you've got to you've got to do it, and if you know if that you know your YouTube falls to the side for a little bit, that's obviously more important where your income comes involved. But again, you're you're always welcome here. You're always welcome here to do oh, stuff. I appreciate it. It's always good fun. Always good fun. We've got a lot more. We've got a lot more coming up with you this year. A lot more. Oh yes, we uh, do. Got for you. Got you in for Halloween. We've got you in for Christmas. So yep. it's going to be quality. But yes, but that is far, far in the future. But uh, before I go, here's my social medias. If you want to know, so Facebook is at Secret Balls. Twitter, it's at Dan underscore balls. Instagram, it's Spider Dan Secret Balls. And when you interact, don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle. And for everything else you need to know about the podcast, swing over to spiderdanandsecretballs.com. But before I go, I'd like to thank my patrons on Patreon. I am Jack's Musings, Paul Meller, Max Byrne, Tony Farina, and Scott Hodgson for their continuing doma- donations. It is very much appreciated and helps Prattle World keep on turning. So thank you very much, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this one, this mass, mass discussion of Japanese cinema, directors, Yakuza, and Fast and the Furious. Um, <laughs> we've, just, we've, we've talked around it all. We've talked around it all. Um, but I will leave you, and I uh, hope you look forward to the next instalment of Yakuza Month. Goodbye. Bye.